Chief Justice and the Associate Justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Students don't shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Our voices matter because we're the ones best equipped to tell our own stories. Student journalism matters. This is Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. My name is Mike Simmons. I advise the Tesserae Yearbook at Corning Painted Post High School in upstate New York, and I am a member of the Scholastic Press Rights Committee through the Journalism Education Association. And it's a pleasure to be back with you today. In this episode, we have the first of a series of conversations with Hadar Harris, the executive director of the Student Press Law Center in Washington, D.C. In today's episode, Hadar gives us an overview of the SPLC's work, their office, and what it's like there uh, at home base in Washington. We're just a couple of days out from the Chicago Convention. I want to draw your attention to JEASPRC.org, the SPRC website. Uh, There you'll find a post that talks about all of the sessions that members of the uh, SPRC are offering in Chicago, including law and ethics, press freedoms, and independent schools, uh, two open forums uh, at 11 on Friday and Saturday, respectively, uh, open forums for addressing censorship issues, There's spotlight sessions highlighting state laws protecting student press freedoms uh, and uh, other offerings uh, featuring new voices content. There's no lack of sessions available to advisors and staff members alike being offered by uh, members of the SPRC. So we do hope to see you in Chicago. Remember that you can reach out to members of the SPRC at any time using the panic button feature at jeasprc.org. And uh, never forget, uh, as you'll hear from Hadar in this episode, that the Student Press Law Center is there for you. They are online at splc.org at their brand new and gorgeous website. Go check it out right away. Uh, But here is Hadar Harris, Executive Director of the Student Press Law Center. Uh, Hadar, good morning. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited. Uh, it's taken us a, a couple uh, false starts and a couple of emails uh, to get you on, and I'm really glad that we were able to get our schedules worked out. So thank you so much. Um, we, I told you I wanted to treat these as, as kind of uh, shorter uh, and, and tighter episodes. Um, so we're going to move along pretty quickly, but I was hoping for folks not uh, familiar with the SPLC uh, who are out there in the audience can you kind of just take it from the top for us and, and establish a foundation of uh, what the SPLC is is all about, and maybe a little bit of history, your role there? I, I'll, well, let's let's just start there. What, what is the SPLC all about? So, the Student Press Law Center was founded in 1974. It was actually founded as a result and an outcome of a book called Captive Voices that was published by the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jack Nelson. Um, that book found that there was censorship in schools all over the United States, and it identified the need for an organization that would stand up for students' First Amendment rights. So the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press and the Robert F. Kennedy Memorial, um, now called RFK Human Rights, um, came together and created the Student Press Law Center. Um, And 
And what we have done since the 1970s and what we continue to do today is to support and defend the rights of high school and college journalists to a free press. We defend and support the rights of student journalists, and we work at the intersection of law, journalism, and education to do that. We have a, a legal hotline um, where hundreds and thousands of students and advisors call every year to answer or to ask questions about their legal rights, some of the legal implications of the work that they're doing, some of the ethical implications of the work that they're doing in terms of investigating stories, publishing stories, and when there are bad situations like situations of censorship, overt censorship, prior review, prior restraint, um, and even the dismissal or retaliatory impact on advisors that sometimes happens, um, we get deeply involved. Not only do we get deeply involved, but our more than 200 volunteer attorneys who work with us through our attorney referral network all around the country get involved in these cases. So we're very proud. You have 200 people on the hotline? We have, well, no, we have 200. On, on call, on yeah, call, sorry. More than 200 attorneys from large law firms as well as individual practitioners from Vermont to Hawaii, literally, um, standing by as part of our attorney referral network um, to take on cases of student journalists who have had their rights um, violated. Um, and to help assist where cases get more complicated. Um, it's, it's really one of the amazing, one of the amazing resources that SPLC has to bring to bear. Yeah, I had, I had no idea. And I guess it's perhaps a little naive of me to think that, that every call that comes in is handled by somebody right there in the office. But it does make far more sense if the case is in Phoenix for somebody closer to there to be referred to and stand in support of those kids. That's incredible. Well, no, let me, let me be really clear. Every single call that comes into our office, we do handle internally. We, okay, respond, okay. we respond to every single inquiry that we get. Um, that's what keeps our staff attorneys very, very busy. Where there is a case, though, that may need to go to litigation or that may actually uh, need okay. some local representation, then we do find a pro bono attorney who can take that case on. And we have done right. that recently in a variety of states. Um, and these are people who are well-known and highly qualified media law attorneys. You know, we vet the volunteers who sign up to work with us. Um uh, it's interesting where a case kind of blows up, like in the case of Prosper, Texas, last uh, spring and continuing this yep. fall, um, where they had an overt case of censorship and a really bad situation um, with the principal who banned all student editorials, who non-renewed a veteran, very beloved journalism advisor. One of the best. We yep. had... Um, we had quite a few inquiries from volunteer attorneys who saw that situation, saw the coverage of it in the local press as well as the New York Times, um, and said that they were so horrified by what had happened that they wanted to get involved with this kind of work. Wow. There, wow. Are, there is a network of folks across this country, lawyers, who really understand the need to support student journalists and the First Amendment rights of student journalists all across the country. We're really proud to work with them. 
Yeah, and you and you should be. That's that's incredible, and and that's a whole other facet of your work that I again maybe I, I could have put the pieces together with some thought, but I, I hadn't heard uh, directly from from you and your team before. That's uh, let's bring it back inside your office. Um, if I stopped by on just any average day, um, you talk about the staff attorneys yourself there. How is the Student Press Law Center staffed, and and what does that team look like? We have decided that we are going to call ourselves a nice, scrappy organization. Okay. We, um, our offices are inside the um, University of California in D.C. building. Um, so we are right near DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. Um, we're okay. happy to be in an environment where there are lots of students around. Um, but we also are in an environment which is right in the middle of downtown Washington, D.C. So that seems like the right space for us. We are, however, in offices that have no windows. <laughs> so <laughs> you may come okay. to our office. It feels very studenty here at our office, which is great um, uh, because we don't need fancy digs to be able to do the work that we do. Um, right. Phones are ringing actually more than the phones ringing these days. Um, everybody is really looking at the internet and and at our um, attorney referral sheets where, um, I, that's the wrong way to call it, uh, our, our legal hotline um, uh, uh, inquiry forms where we ask people to actually um, submit a legal, a, a request for help through our website. And so rather than calls coming in all the time, um, uh, rather than calls coming in all the time, while we do get phone calls, many more people are actually contacting us through the web. We like that because then we can keep a record, a uh, very clear record of the cases that are coming in and we can respond very quickly and we can uh, make sure that nothing is falling through cracks. Um, there's also kind of a generational shift where younger people aren't so inclined to pick up the phone and call you. <laughs> so right, we make right. sure that we have um, availability both by the phone and by this online system for folks to get help. Um, we have journalism interns who are working on stories around how student journalism is happening in this country today and amplifying cases that we're very concerned about. Those stories go up on our website and are tweeted out. We have a social media team that uh, is is working on social media. And if you're not following us on Twitter and on Facebook, you should because there's lots of really great material that we're getting out there, not just that we produce, but that others produce as well about the state of student journalism and the First Amendment today. Um, uh, and then, you know, our staff attorneys are taking calls and um, we're looking at big vision. If you came into my office, you would see huge pieces of white uh, uh, paper on the walls with different colored notes on it, thinking about what are our values and principles? Where are we located in the landscape? How do we see ourselves? We're just getting ready for our next strategic plan. So we're thinking big about what the next steps for SPLC are. I want to thank Hadar for coming on uh, for this first episode. We uh, spoke at, at some length, and uh, the rest of that interview is going to be uh, cut into different uh, short-run kind of chat episodes that we're going to post here on the feed. Uh, but for now, again, follow uh, JEA Scholastic Press Rights Committee on Twitter at uh, JEA Press Rights, and follow the Student Press Law Center at at SPLC. 
both groups, the Scholastic Press Rights Committee and the Student Press Law Center, will have a big presence at the uh, convention in Chicago later this week. I uh, hope to see you all there. Travel safe. We'll talk soon.